Hello and welcome to Sales Growth Solutions Podcast, where we share the story so that others may grow. But first, if you haven't done so already, head on over to our website, salesgrowthsolutions.org, and pick yourself up a copy of the top five tips as compiled by last year's guests. My name is Ashley Brimacombe, and on today's show, we interview Ken Jarvis, CEO of Aerolite Industries. Ken is an experienced chairman and CEO with a background in mining, quarrying, health insurance, aviation, and engineering. He possesses highly developed skills in governance, particularly in relation to government-regulated areas. He was the recent chairman of GMHBA and the Victorian Regional Channels Authority, along with a past chairman of the Geelong College Foundation and a former mayor of the city of Geelong. In 1996, as the managing director, he established Aerolite Quarries, which provides a full range of quarrying materials, including specialised lightweight aggregates and various sand products. Ken was awarded the Order of Australia Medal in 2008 for services to the community of Geelong through a range of roles with local government, education, health and business organisations. He holds a Bachelor of Applied Science in Metallurgy and a Graduate Diploma of Mathematics. Ken is a keen pilot and a long-time member of the Mount Hotham Ski Patrol. Welcome to the show, Ken. We're here at Winter's Cafe in Newtown, one of, Ge- one of Geelong's best coffee houses, with uh, Ken Jarvis. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you very much for inviting me along. Can we start by taking a moment to share with the listeners what it is your business does and how, you, and, and how it may be of service? Well, we're, um, Aerolite Quarries produces a range of innovative, uh, environmentally friendly products for the construction, manufacturing and agricultural industry. We're quite an unusual quarry company in that we produce the standard you know, sand and gravel that people think about, but we also produce quite a few specialist add-on uh, uh, products which are unique actually to us. So. Yeah, you were mentioning the, the bricks earlier. Yes, we produce the material that goes into making um, most of the um, uh, the cement uh, blocks and bricks that you see made in uh, Victoria and in fact we even ship uh, stuff interstate for specialist blocks, uh, things like fire rated blocks or blocks that require a higher fire rating or noise rating. Um, blocks are used a lot nowadays in high-rise um, infills, you know, the walls in high-rise, and uh, as a result, they need to be both fireproof and also uh, give very good acoustic properties, keep the noise down. And scoria, because of its um, aerated vesicular nature, uh, is excellent in both those areas, so that's why it's used. And scoria is the main product from the mine? Um, we produce both scoria and basalt. Basalt is bluestone, that's your normal construction aggregate. Um, we have uh, big reserves of both of them actually. We have three quarries, a basalt quarry and two scoria quarries. And um, so we cover the whole range of, um, of construction products. But the, the ones that I get excited about are the ones where we have a unique market position. Yeah. And they're the ones where 
spending time developing and uh, you know promoting. So, so apart from just the standard porous block that you put into things like plumbing drains and things like that, you're able to turn that into a more of a sophisticated product for the, yes, for the, yes. for the building so, market. So we, we're the only ones who can produce this uh, material required for making the, the cement blocks. We produce a range of sands and aggregates for lightweight, high strength lightweight concrete. We're the only ones who do that. We produce uh, a range of coloured um, products which are uh, loved by architects. Um, we produce a range of agricultural products, um, wow. specialist products for things like uh, rooftop um, gardens. One of the benefits of scoria is that it's very lightweight, yep. and so and it's also got very high moisture uh, retentive properties if it's used in agriculture. Um, so uh, there are some unique um, uses of it uh, for. Uh, walls on high-rise buildings, rooftop gardens, which are all the rage, you know. Most high-rise buildings going up now have a rooftop garden. Um, and, uh, and we also have just some general agricultural uses. If you take our fines product and, and spread it on, um, say, a, a, a just broad acres, it can be used to replace trace elements in soil cheaper than you can do it by using specialist uh, chemicals. And it's, it's a natural product, so some farmers, you know, would rather uh, use something like that rather than paying um, some chemical company for, you know, some special... Uh, Material. So, so quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of variety there to work with. Yes, yes. Mm. We have um, sort of construction companies, we have manufacturing companies, and we have uh, farmers and agricultural companies. And we also sell, you know, just straight into the uh, the, the market um, uh, garden type uh, uh, people. You know, your uh, your local. Um, shop where you might attend or whatever where you go down and buy some gravel and stuff we we have about 300 of those spread over Australia that we um, service yeah. wow alright so can you share share an insight as to how you actually arrived at your current position well I had a long um, you know I'm one of these people who's had quite a few careers in their life but I I started out in mining I'm, by training I'm a, a metallurgist and I spent the first um, 15 years of my life working in mining till I got fed up with living in dongas and, you know, pulling leeches off me in, <laughs> in jungles. Um, and so I went into manufacturing and have had, a, you know, quite a varied career over the years. But a few years ago, I decided uh, it'd be nice to get back to the roots. So I bought this first quarry, had some other business at the time, sold those, wound them down and have specialised in quarrying for the last, um, you know, 15-odd years. It's a great business. You have, um, you know, you have a monopolistic position because you've, um, you have a geographic area that, that you can own because of uh, transport costs. Quarry products are commodity products and expensive to move. So a quarry has this region where it can be very competitive and you operate with a government licence, you know, okay. so... Um, it's very hard for the the entry um, barriers to entry. Yes, the barriers to entry for new quarry operators is very high. It takes a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of luck in this. That's world. just getting it off the ground, let alone just getting the just getting the uh, permissions to even start before you 
you get into the very expensive process of uh, you know digging a hole and building plant and processing uh, material. So um, I bought these uh, three quarries. They've all got um, extensive reserves, you know, multi-century reserves, and we own the land, so there's never any, you know, there'll be no future issue about um, uh, having to argue with a landowner. Um, so, yeah, it's a good business. Yeah, sounds, sounds exciting. So what projects are you currently working on in your business that have you excited at the moment? Well, the, the exciting end is this end I was talking about, the innovative uh, products. So we're, um, the, the latest one we've got into is we've discovered by using a, um, a very uh, specialist process that we can colour our scoria any colour we want. Because it's normally colour. a really deep red, isn't it? It's red and black we have too. And we've always sold some for decorative purposes. And some people like the black material and some people like the red material. It's a very useful material as an alternative to the normal mulch because it doesn't rot, it doesn't burn, termites don't, don't eat it. So if you use, um, if you use our mulch, um, it lasts forever. Uh, and, and as I said, in, in, if you're in a, an area that has high um, bushfire risk, yeah. it's perfect. You can put it around your house. Yeah. It's not, never going to catch in fire. You, you go and fill your, um, your garden beds up with straw or pine bark mulch. You're, in, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in Queensland, where we sell a bit, they love it because the termites won't eat it. If you put mulch around your house in, in Queensland, yeah. it's just like putting a big sign, you know, termites wanted. Yeah. But the, the reason it wasn't uh, sort of selling at the rates we would have liked in that use is that, you know, it's a bit old-fashioned red scoria. Um, and it, it didn't have the colour range that mm. uh, pine bark or some of the other yeah. mulches did. But we've now developed a process for colouring it any colour, lasts forever. Um, and, and it's to do with the chemical nature of scoria, so it's not a it's not a dye. It's an actual uh, permanent change to the colour of the material. And um, and so at the moment we've only got a little pilot plant doing that. We're quite limited in what we can make, but we're completely sold out all the time. So um, one of the big things we're doing at the moment is um, looking to scale that that operation up to a. Uh, a full-scale operation and also put in some post-handling um, um, systems packaging, really, to make it easy to be able to ship the stuff all over Australia and maybe maybe even a bit overseas. Wow. Well, that is exciting. So we've got that one. And the other big uh, thing we're doing at the moment is in some of our construction products, we're sold out. So we're right in the midst of a big... Um, equipment upgrade, engineering upgrade, putting in more crushing plant, more mobile equipment, all that um, sort of thing. Yeah, interesting because I uh, had a, uh, a podcast earlier with um, Eddie Contell who runs... Yes, I know Eddie, Pat. he's yeah. uh, Willie Adams. Yeah. yeah, and he was saying that with the contracts coming through there's going to be a huge boost in uh, infrastructure building. I think there is. We... Um, and, you know, the nature of our business is that um, we love those big projects. They're mm. just the Consistency. cream. Consistency. Um, we we uh, survive on the average sales, you know, to the 
garden suppliers and the plumbers and the construction companies, the manufacturing companies. But the things that really make the money for us are a big roads project. You know, we've we've done lots of um, of those sorts of things. The rural rail upgrade that was a great project for us, um, uh, and many others. Um, in this part of Victoria at the moment, there's not really much going on. But I'm, uh, and, and, and as I said, in construction materials, you're limited to this yeah. geographic uh, limit. But there are, you know, there is talk of the Port Arlington Road bypass and um, uh, some other projects in the area, which we we'll hopefully pick up. There's a couple of big wind farms going in; they're very good for us. So we're we're hoping by the end of uh, of 2018 we'll have a couple of big projects running, which will be great for the business. Fantastic. So would you like to share with the listeners your favourite software, something that's making your life easier? Well. I don't know if I'd, if I'd mention one particular uh, thing. The thing that makes my life much easier is the whole iPad, Apple app system. Yep. Because I do a lot of travelling and um, quite a bit of it it's overseas. But using just this one little bit of equipment, I have set the business up so that I can know exactly what's going on anywhere in the world, any time of the day or night yep. and uh, and so you know we we're quite um, digitally integrated um, quite a bit of the equipment reports digitally you know you don't need people filling in uh, forms um, and, and we've developed our own system you know to the the real purists they'd say it's a bit um, backward you know it's excel spreadsheets and those sorts of things but for us it allows us to completely control the business from anywhere in the world um, at any time. And, and uh, we're just in the process of doing a major upgrade of that where we're going to zero down one level lower than where we are now in measuring outputs. Instead of measuring um, sort of the day's output of a machine, we're going to measure the hourly output of individual belts in that machine to enable us to have more control and what I will be doing is making sure that all that information is available through that um, iOS system either on a you know fixed computer but what I find most useful is having it accessed on an iPad. Easy to carry around, easy it's, to see. Yeah, it works perfectly, they never break down. Best thing ever made. <laughs> that whole system, you know, and, and there are so many apps that you can use integrate. to to, to you know to integrate into that. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it is a brilliant system, no doubt about that. So, how do you see the current business environment, and what will we define in your company moving forward? Well, the, you know, I think you've got to divide that into um, uh, two areas. I, I think generally things are going okay at the moment. I wouldn't say they're great. Um, in in terms of um, overall growth in Victoria. We are building a lot of houses, we are building a lot of units because we have very high um, migration. And that's that growth is really migration driven, I believe. Um, and, and there is a bit of investor um, driven investment in docklands and you know that sort of thing. The, uh, so that's been good for our business because we sell into those areas. But I think the general economy is not travelling that well. We, we all hear about the fact that wages haven't increased um, in real terms, you know, for the last five or six years. And I think what we're seeing is 
GDP is increasing, but because the population is also increasing, GDP per person has been pretty uh, stationary. Real growth. Real growth has not occurred. And I think we're starting to see the effects of that. And I'm a bit worried about it, actually, as we go forward. That, um, uh, you know, particularly with the political environment we're in now, um, it's, you know, quite dangerous waters for business that we're about to enter into, I think, you know. If, uh, if Bill Shorten does win in, at the end of the year, I'd be a bit nervous about a business like mine uh, because... Becoming heavily regulated? Yeah, well, you know, we, we are known as the most heavily regulated uh, part of the Victorian economy now. We have 20, 21 different regulators who we have to regularly report to. I mean, one of the things that just drives me crazy in Victoria and to a lesser extent in Australia is the massive over-regulation that we have. And it's all down to the fact that, you know, Labor governments employ large amounts of public servants. They've got to do something. So what do they do? They think up more rules. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't add one bit of increased productivity. Um, it just frustrates people. You know, when young people come and talk to me about starting businesses now, I say, don't do it. I wouldn't do it. It is, I don't think it's possible in Australia at the moment to run a business like mine and, and not break the law. The, there is so much regulation. You know, I wonder how many people listening to this know that last Monday there was a whole new suite of regulation came in in relation to privacy, which made directors of companies liable to enormous fines, quarter of a million dollars fines. If, if private information they held on customers or employees happened to be hacked and they don't immediately report it to the privacy regulator. You know, a nice bit of legislation that, that um, was dumped on us on Monday. I've never... I picked it up because I was reading the paper. Um, and, and this is just happening all the time. Yeah, right. And, you know, in the end, it's, um, it's not good for business and it's particularly not good for small business. Big business, they can employ the lawyers and the consultants and all the rest of it. But you get a business like me, all this stuff falls on someone like me, and I've got a million other things to do. Yeah. Um, you know. Which is the same with most small businesses. Yes, exactly. And so it's, these things are really aimed at small business. Yeah. And, um, and I think in the end we'll pay a high price for it, I really do. Ooh. Because that's what drives the economy, basically, small businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember what the numbers are, but it's something like 70% of all people are employed by businesses that employ less than 20 people. Yeah. Now, the it's owners of businesses who are employing 20 people, like this cafe we're in now, they don't have time to read a, a 300-page new act on privacy regulations. And be on top of every single clause. But then one day they'll get hacked and all of a sudden they'll have a couple of public servants turn up and say, we're charging you with uh, a criminal offence, you know, it's an indictable offence, you can go to jail. That's not a good situation. So, so what will you be defining your business moving forward with? Well, as I said, our, um, we, we, we've got a, a few aims at the moment. One of the things we're trying to do is improve our interface with our customers. Because yeah. as we get bigger and we get more of them, it's harder to control all that. So I'm in a process of upgrading our web interface to allow people to order over the web. Wow. And also put in uh, forward orders, not or forward estimates of what they might want. Because a big 
problem with um, a business like ours is controlling the different products that you have to make. You know, we, we have a total suite of about 100 products and you can only make maybe 20 of them at any one time so yeah. that you have to um, be thinking about how you're going to plan your equipment. Yeah. Changeovers take quite a bit of time. And so um, trying to put a bit more automation into that end of the business, not just for us, but much more importantly, so that we can meet the customer needs. Because in this business, in the business I'm in, it's not about, um, you know, it's not like a restaurant where you're worried about the quality of the, you know, how hot the coffee is or whether the toast has been buttered properly. Our products are commodity products. You've got to meet a standard if you meet the standard. You know, that's what you it's quite do. costly if you don't. Yes, very costly. The real issue is keeping your customers happy. And, and what they want is stuff delivered when they want it at the right place. And that's often an issue with customers who might have 15 different delivery addresses. Um, and and um, that it's at the right price. And, you know, because often in these large projects, you know, you're a fifteenth of a fifteenth of the cost. But you, because you go in first, you can be the thing that can hold the whole project up if you haven't got the stuff they need at that time. You know, yeah. if you're building a road, the sub-base has to go in first, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't got the right sub-base, then you can hold up a, a project that's worth hundreds or billions of dollars, you know, um, even though you're a tenth of a hundredth of percent of the total cost of the project. Yeah, right. That's, uh, that can be quite difficult. Well, and a good segue there, because at Sales Growth Solutions, we're all about the customer experience and building growth from improving the dynamics around the customer journey. So would you like to share with the audience your principles around driving growth from within? My principles? Well, you know, as I said, our, our business is a bit different to others. What, what I'm attempting to do with our business is in the, the bulk uh, product area to... Uh, be much better at having being able to give the customer what they want when they want it. So that's the driver for this large um, uh, expansion of our crushing capability and also associated with that uh, more trucks and more loaders and all those sorts of things. So, so we have, rather than being sold out regularly, we have spare capacity to be able to meet those needs because that's the biggest irritation to our customers. Um, the second part of it is that I'm trying to get away from those low-cost commodity products and develop a whole range of innovative, higher-cost, higher-margin type projects. And many of those require a more typical selling effort because you have to have people out there on the road selling to engineers, to architects, and that's quite a different business. And so we're really in the early stages of that, and that's that's going to be a very interesting journey over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, right. So can you point out something that you've done recently that's actually improved the customer experience? Um, well, the you know, as I was saying, the biggest thing we're working on at the moment, and it hasn't actually happened yet, is this um, a web-based uh, interface so that um, people can order material across the web without having to make a phone call or, or send a fax which can get lost. Um, and just as importantly, be able to give some indication of future demand so we can start doing better planning. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's my big driver. Keeping the customer, customer satisfied beforehand. Yes. Yes. 
I'd like you to imagine, if you will, you have been invited to join Elon Musk on his first expedition to Mars. It takes a long time to get there, and you may never return. Stuck on Mars forever. You have space on your hard drive for one album, one book, and one movie. What will you be taking with you, and why? The CD would have to be Pink Floyd, The Meaning of Life. I just That's one of the best pieces of music ever produced, and just has a almost a drug-like effect on me when I'm tense and upset. If I listen to that, I always come out smiling and cool. Um, the book, I've, I've just I've fallen in love with uh, Jason Peterson and his 12 uh, rules for living a you know a happy life. This um, latest craze, I I just think that's a new bible. And I think if I was going to Mars. Um, with little chance of getting back, you'd need something that'd keep you centred and give you a way of, you know, living your life. So I, I just love that book. I've read it a few times now. Okay. And what was the last one? The movie. movie. Oh, there's only one movie for me. I'm, I think as you know, I'm a bit of a mad uh, flyer pilot, and yep. uh, my favourite movie of all time is Top Gun. Okay. And with Top Gun, you not only get a great movie with fantastic flying and you know a bit of few life lessons. You also get another great uh, music track. Music track. So, mm. so they'd be my three. Excellent. So in summary then, Ken, are you able to signpost three main points from today's show the listeners can take away with them? Hmm. You ask um, difficult questions. Um, well, you know, it's very uh, boring and, and it's something that I have um, quite a bit of trouble with sometimes with the people who work for me, um, having them understand um, in, in a business that's highly engineering orientated yeah. that the customer is king and what the customer wants is what we've got to give them because they pay our wages they keep the business and and to try and get that um, ethos in, in, in the heads of everyone in the organisation is the biggest challenge for any business and it's a particular challenge for a business like mine where all they really see is big bits of equipment and big trucks coming and, and never make, quite make the mental association with where that stuff's going and what mm. it's doing and how important it is that they get the right stuff and yep. it's there on time. Um, I, I'm... Um, one of the things I think we need to do much better in business generally, this is sort of philosophical thing, is business needs to stand up more and take on some of these minority interests, you know, Greens, unions, um, the PC correctness stuff, the regulation stuff we were talking about before. We shouldn't just sit down and let this happen to us. And that's what business tends to do. We don't you know, we don't have a coordinated voice because we're all competing with one another. But we have some real problems. And, and somehow, I would really like to see um, business really stand up over some of these issues. Like, you know, this change in the privacy laws I was talking about. How did that happen without there being a scream from business that this is unreasonable? Yes. And it's more than consultation. We just shouldn't accept it. Mm. You know, because some bureaucrat in Canberra thinks it's a good idea, why should we let them do it to us? Yeah. You know, we need to be a bit more angry. We need to learn to copy a bit more about some of the other protest movements uh, around the place. And if we don't, 
we shouldn't whinge when we're eventually forced out of business. Um, you know, I think the big problem in Australia generally at the moment is we're just not prepared to take the PC uh, bullshit on. And, and we all need to stand up. But um, uh, I, I think business in particular has been very lacking in, in doing that. They try and stay friends with government. Well, you can't stay friends with government. You know, government works, deals with the squeaky wheel. And unfortunately, in our society, the squeaky wheels are the, are the leaners, not the lifters. Mm. And uh, it's about time the lifters said, well, listen, we're the ones that make all the money that you squander. Um, we want a bigger say in what goes on. Yeah, you can do that. It's a different situation. Yes. I, um, again, a bit philosophical. I would suggest anybody listening to this podcast who hasn't read Jason uh, Peterson's uh, book on the 12 rules for living a happy life, read it, particularly if you've got kids, because I wish I had read it before I brought my kids up. It's a brilliant book and, and really sums up a lot of what I was saying just before. Um, so they're my three. Excellent. Well, that's been fun having you on the show today, Ken. Thanks very much. Well, thanks. Thanks very much, Asha. Thanks for being a part of the SGS community. We hope that you gain some value from listening to our show today. The interview and related information can be found on our website, salesgrowthsolutions.org. Today's episode was produced and edited by Red Lemon Productions. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next week, take care.